Welcome back to the That You May Know Him podcast, illuminating biblical truth, applying it to faith, life, and culture so that you can know and love Jesus Christ like never before. I'm your host, Blake Barbera. I'm excited to be back with you once again for another edition of the show. We are live on Thursday night, and I'm super excited to bring on both my co-host for this week. First of all, my co-host going forward, actually. If you watched last week, you know him well. His name is Jesse Dunn. Jesse, what's going on, man? Hey, Blake. How you doing, man? <laughs> doing great, brother. How about you? Doing good. Good, man. So uh, tonight we have something special going on, I think. Uh, for those of you who have been around and listening or watching that, you may know him for a while. An old friend is here to visit with us once again. I know several listeners have reached out to me in the recent past and asked where he's been, and others have been praying for him uh, and inquiring about him. I've done a lot of episodes with this fella. He's a very good friend of mine, a dear brother in the Lord, and a totally spirit-filled man, and we just lost him. He was in the room, Jesse. Where'd he go? Oh, here he is. He's back. The one, the only, Rich Russell is back with us again. Brother hey. Rich, how are you? Blake, Jesse, man, it's so good to be here, and I really appreciate the privilege of uh, being invited on, especially for this show. Um, this is, uh, you know, I, I think I've probably known you guys for about 12 or 15 years, but I've only known you as born-again Christians that really love the truth, and, uh, uh, and, and I know that you, your families come from a background uh, from, a, from a cult that was real popular in the 60s and 70s and 80s. Uh, but I've never heard your journey. I mean, we've had lots of conversations, but, but uh, you know, I'm really excited, not only for myself, but for the listeners to get to know you guys on a, on a more personal and, and, and deeper level on where you guys are coming from. Why do you guys love the truth? What, what caused <laughs> you to fall in love with, with Jesus uh, with that kind of background? And, and, uh, and also, the, you know, the, the journey, what is What's it been like? I mean, I'm sure there's been ups and downs and obstacles and confrontations. I mean, if, you know, if the Bible says, if, if you follow Jesus, you will be persecuted. So I can imagine as followers, <laughs> you guys have probably had some uh, encounters in your, in your walk. So that's uh, enough me. I want to hear from, from you guys. What, uh, what really led you from that place of, of uh, uh, being influenced by a cult into into this love for Jesus Christ. And tell me about it. I love it. I love it. Rich, Rich is not wasting any time. He hasn't been on that. You may know him. How long has it been, Rich? Like six months since you've been on the show? Well, at least six months. Yeah. Six yeah, months. Beautiful. Yes, over six months. Beautiful. Yeah. Come right back in. So I love it. What we're talking about tonight is more or less our story. We said in last week's episode that Jesse and I wanted to take the opportunity, now that we're doing this show together, to share a little bit more of our story and our background. Jesse started to a little bit because he shared a little bit about his story last week, and our stories really do intersect uh, in a pretty meaningful way. But we want to do it as a way to share with you all how the Lord has taught us and is teaching us to discern truth and hopefully to walk in truth. So Jesse... Uh, Rich just set the table for us. Do you want to start by talking about our background and giving listeners a little bit of context of where we came from? Sure, Blake. Yeah, so uh, 
Rich, yeah, you've mentioned the word cult a few times, so you wasted no time jumping in. Appreciate that. We'll just call it what it is, right? But, uh, you know, I think when a lot of people hear the word cult, you know, they think of somebody that's, uh, you know, they think of people in, you know, old traditional dress on a farm somewhere, uh, mm. you know, multiple wives, that sort of thing. That's not really the environment that we that we grew up in, right? So that, uh, I, I don't want to paint the wrong picture. We had a pretty normal upbringing. Both of us went to public, went to a public school. Um, but growing up as I knew it, um, going to church was doing this church in the home, which is actually great. Like there's a lot of biblical, there's a lot of biblical uh, evidence for why that's a really great model. Um, so we always thought, you know, that was normal, but it actually came from this ministry that had little cells all over the United States and all over the world that they called, uh, that they called twig fellowships. Uh, it was an organization, uh, called the way ministry. And, uh, our parents, uh, were all a part of this ministry back in the seventies and into the into the early mid eighties. Um, and once the leader essentially, uh, once the leader passed away, there was a lot of, there was a lot of power struggles and things of that nature that happened. And, uh, you can say that it sort of fractured and a lot of people went different ways. Um, little splinter cells popped up here and there, but, um, more or less people didn't leave because they thought, man, this is wrong. People left because they just thought, man, this isn't as great as it once was. And so they continued holding on to their belief systems that they had. Um, and, you know, that led to my upbringing and I believe Blake's upbringing as well, where they continued on with the same type of thoughts and beliefs that they carried uh, when they were part of this organization. So if I, if I could ask a couple of questions, the, so the Way International was a very popular. It was a very pretty widespread movement back in uh, back in the day. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and it really relied a lot on the Holy Spirit. But it, tell me if I'm wrong. It didn't believe in the deity of Christ. Um, that's the that's right. And, yeah. Uh, and so, talk to me about what what actually what where was the transition what was there some kind of discontent or falling out or you know what was it that triggered that that uh, born again experience so jesse you want me to take this one sure yeah 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 so essentially what happened was i mean honestly it's probably not unlike the story of a lot of people the story of our parents is probably not unlike our parents coming to faith is not unlike the, the story of a lot of people, your age, Rich, your generation in the Jesus movement. I mean, people in my own family got, you know, from that generation, my dad, uncle's generation got saved before they ever heard about the way, but the way was a really widespread movement. So people were joining these fellowships and taking these classes. And it was to them just another denomination, except they started to learn that there was a, well, maybe they didn't realize, or I guess they did realize, but there was a very unique doctrine in the way. And it was, you know, like many cults, I think this is more than anything. The two things that make the way a cult were the fact that the doctrine was, you know, 
in, in many of the key areas deviating from Orthodox Christianity, such as not believing in the deity of Christ, but then also it was a cult of personality. Everything was based around the leader. Uh, and uh, there's a guy that wrote a book about the way it's called the cult that snapped, because if you really study the history of it, th there's only like a 10 to 15 year heyday. I mean, it was like a, it was like a shooting star. It came, it pulled in hundreds of thousands of people, mostly young people, a lot of hippies from California. Uh, they joined, they got totally committed. And then in, I think 1982, it could have been 85. I'm not sure. I, I forget which date the, leader died uh he wasn't even really that old of a guy and at that point everything split and i mean it like the the ministry lost more than half of their people everybody kept the ideology but many people left the organization and it's really kind of amazing when i look at things now and you know i, I think it's important to say like i'm not one who thinks that people just because they're maybe wrong in their doctrine or they've been like, something's been really drilled into them that goes against traditional Christianity. It doesn't mean that they haven't been saved. Um, but it is amazing to me how many people who haven't been involved with the way for over 40 years, they just, they hold on to the ideology and the doctrine so tight, so firmly. And yeah. it's really hard to, to get rid of it. It's really hard to get loose from it. It's almost like it's a part of their identity. If that makes sense. So did it, did it for the two of you, did it take a revelation of Jesus Christ to be able to snap off some of those, uh, some of those preconceived understandings of religion? Yeah. So Rich, I think for myself, um, you know, I can just say that God is always willing to, to work with those and take care of those who are, who are seeking after him and who are hungry for the truth. And this isn't a pat on my back by any means, but those who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled. Right. And so if you're seeking after the Lord, he's going to be faithful. And so I can recall, I can recall times as a high schooler being, I went to a public high school, but we had a Christian uh, group that like a Christian after school program type group at, at my high school that I was a part of. And I started to actually meet a lot of uh, other Christians from different denominations during that time. And I actually went head to head with them all the time, trying to argue what I grew up believing, which was <laughs> trying to convince them that Jesus Christ was not actually God. And that he wow. was the son of God and Lord. And I, but here Me I too. was trying to convince them otherwise. So, um, you know, I actually kind of had a little bit of a, a black mark on me from the leadership there. <laughs> They're like, okay, well watch out for this guy. But at the same, at the same time, right. I was, I was just speaking to the best of my knowledge, but God was faithful. And I always had a zeal to know the Lord. And as I grew up, I went out on my own. I actually moved out to Southern California, which is where, you know, I met Blake. I moved out there because I felt the Lord call me out there to go live on mission and share the word with people. And now, I hadn't now, yet had this revelation. I want to understand the transition. So was this before you accepted Christ or while you were still trying to walk in the ways of the way that you felt like the Lord called you out to, to San Diego and, you know, talk to me about that a little bit. And then, uh, 
And then I want to hear how uh, how Blake met you, what his journey was toward you. Yeah. So, so Rich, I think the point of this is that God is faithful, um, regardless of our understanding of Him and who and who He is. And sometimes we see through a glass darkly. We don't fully understand, but it doesn't mean that God's not at work and God's not faithful. So, growing up. I knew I loved the Lord. I knew that I wanted to follow him. I knew that he was the most important thing in my life, but I didn't have a clear revelation of who he was yet. And so even as God can speak to anybody, God can speak, God spoke to Balaam through a donkey, right? He can speak to anyone. I heard, I knew God was speaking to me and calling me to go where I needed to go. And through that process, I think God not only used our lives, but he also worked in our lives. Um, and for me during that process, it was a great, a great season where I was able to go to the word for myself um, without really any outside influence. I didn't really necessarily have anybody trying to convince me of what I used to believe or what I believed at the time was wrong. But the more I sought God, the more I opened the word, the more I saw that what I believed didn't line up with what the word of the word of the Lord said. And so I would see it more and more and more. Um, And I'd talk to Blake about it and he'd say, yeah, you know, that's interesting too. And we'd both be seeing the same things and it kept coming up and coming up until finally in my heart, it became undeniable that, yeah, Jesus Christ is not only Lord, meaning my master and the one I follow, but Jesus Christ actually is divine. He is God. He is exactly who all these Christians that I fought against say that he is and always has been. He was there from the beginning, and he'll be there at the end. That is that is so profound. Like, you mean he didn't accept you based on your doctrine? He was able to guide you apart from your knowledge of doctrine. I mean, that is uh, that's huge. That gives hope to a lot of people. That uh, that is, you know, your heart is beautiful and just wanting to know the Lord, and and uh, and he jumped all over it, and and he took you on your unique journey to reveal himself to you. I love it. What about you, Blake? Yeah. So, you know, we talk a lot about at least, you know, in my conversations with you, Rich, and with you, Jess, we talk a lot about the paradoxes that there are in Scripture. You know, like in our finite human minds, something that's paradoxical is something that appears to be contradictory, but it's not. There are things that we read in the Bible that are paradoxical. uh, And something that I've come to as a result of my experience and my study of scripture is like to, to go along with what Jesse said, I have a very distinct memory of being very close to the Lord as a very small child. I mean, when I was a teenager, I learned through, you know, osmosis being around the fellowship, the church that I was a part of, that we're not supposed to pray to Jesus because in, in the way and in that upbringing, and I want to be clear, I was never in the way. Jesse was never in the way. My parents were out of the way before I ever was born. Uh, But it's still like the lineage. You know, I I come from that lineage. But I got something to say about that, too. Uh, 
I learned as a teenager, we don't pray to Jesus. And it began to bother me when I would hear friends at school praying to Jesus. But as a kid, I would get in bed every night and I would pray in tongues and I would talk to God and I would say good night to Father and I would say good night to Jesus. And I did this all the time as a kid, like literally every night. I had this routine in my mind that I would go through. And it wasn't until much later that I learned well, in our church, we don't pray to Jesus. We pray to the Father in Jesus' name. And then it was much later after that that I I came to the conclusion that Jesus, okay, we, we pray to the Father through Jesus. Jesus is at the right hand of God Almighty. Jesus is Yahweh. That's stated over and over and over and over and over again in Scripture. So the paradox I'm talking about is I, I don't want to sit here and say, that if someone is adamant, adamant, adamantly denying who Jesus is, that they're a Christian. But I also can't say that people don't, God's grace is such that people are saved always before they come into full understanding. I haven't come into full understanding. None of us have come, in, come into full understanding. Now, the deity of Christ is a pretty important thing when it comes to being a Christian, but God's just so merciful and so gracious. I can't, you know, I can't speak for anybody other than myself when I say, even when I was totally off in my understanding, um, the Lord was good to me and he was revealing himself to me. And I think that's why Jesse and I were both enabled to be led into truth. And as far as when that happened for me, um, I don't have like a born again experience that happened after I was saved. I mean, there was a season in my life when God really started making himself real to me. Um, but when Jesse and I met and our, our stories sort of intersect when we were about 19, a few years before I married his sister, <laughs> uh, you know, we both shared like a similar heart. And there were times when I remember he was the only one I could talk to. Cause even when I was a teenager and God was first starting to, open my eyes and, and show me things. And I was re actually reading the Bible for myself. I would come across these verses about who Jesus was. And I would be like, huh, you know, that, that seems to say pretty plainly that Jesus is God. And, you know, in our upbringing, it was like, oh no, it, it can't possibly mean that it's got to mean something else. But with Jesse, we could talk about these things. And I remember one night when we were still pretty young, having a conversation with Jesse and I was really starting to like the walls were coming down and the scales were coming off my eyes. And I, I was seeing that Jesus is more, was more than I thought he was. But I said to Jesse, something that I had heard on repeat growing up, which was, yeah, but you know, the Bible still never uses the word Trinity. <laughs> I don't know if you remember this, Jesse. And Jesse's response to me was, yeah, but it sure points to it an awful lot. <laughs> wow. And that was the first time that we, like I ever got, I don't know. I, you know what it was? It was the first time I realized, okay, Jesse's at least where I'm at in this journey, or he might even be a few steps out in front of me. So, you know, Blake, well, thinking about the, the comment you mentioned just a, a couple minutes ago about, you know, it's certainly important how somebody views who Christ is. And I'm not going to minimize that yeah. in evaluating whether or not somebody's a Christian, but this kind of brings me to something I've been thinking about a little bit, which is, you know, a lot of the, the reform movement that I see today often will take something 
that they see as an error and immediately say, oh, well, they believe this or they don't believe this. Therefore, they are not truly a Christian. Right. And good point. I just think God's faithfulness is so much bigger than our misunderstandings Mm -hmm. of who he is, because we all see through a glass darkly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we as humans have a flawed understanding. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I'm really, I, I, I'm a little bit shocked at myself at, at wondering how you could make a transition from a cult to being a true Christian when I had absolutely no background in Christianity and, and I got radically saved, I had nothing to, I, I had nothing to wash myself from. I didn't have any, uh, you know, inherent belief system uh, that God had to disengage me with. So maybe that's a little bit of my surprise, but you know, I, I want to know. So as you began to come into this revelation of Jesus Christ, um, and I know that there was, and I don't want to call it a counterfeit because it sounds like there was a lot of substance uh, to the way, uh, even if some of their doctrine was off, like you speaking in tongues, mm-hmm. um, you know, be, before you had a revelation of Jesus. I mean, that that kind of rocks mm-hmm. my world a little bit. I'm going, wow, how mm-hmm. how big is this God of mercy, and how open mm-hmm. is the door to come into Him, regardless of what our past is? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's amazing. But I, I'm I'm curious about. As you began to make that transition into Jesus, the revelation of Jesus, what was, how did your family respond? What was, what was that like? What was that, what was that transition like? Because, you know, a lot of people, when they get, when they get saved, uh, stuff happens in their family. It just radically, you know, it radically impacts them. How did it impact you guys? Well, uh, I think, in many ways, it still is, to be honest with you. Um, I, Rich, I want to answer that, but I, I got to share one like quick story like as a segue into it, because not to throw you off here, but you asked about like a born-again experience after we came into a fuller revelation of Christ. And I can't call it a born-again experience, but and this does, this does, this does in part speak to your question. There was a time about a year after I was married and I hadn't been going to any way fellowship. I can't call them way fellowships. I hadn't been fellowshipping with that community of people for a while, really regularly at all. I still had friends. Jesse and I at this point were both pretty much doing different things, going to different churches, involved in different communities and uh, other than the one that we grew up in. But I went to this weekend seminar with my wife and a couple of other Christians that we had met at a different place to hear this fellow who was more or less a respected teacher in that community. And I hadn't really seen, there was probably 150, 200 people there. This was in San Diego. I hadn't seen anybody in quite a while. I hadn't been to any events, but I, Sorry about I'm that. sitting there. Oh, no problem. I'm, I'm sitting in this weekend seminar and I'm, I'm listening and I'm watching and I'm observing. And I just have this like, sick to my stomach feeling in the bottom of my stomach, in the pit of my stomach. And this was at a a, a Marriott in Point Loma. And I go out into the hallway. It's in the middle of a session by myself. And I sit down, I kind of go around the corner to where I'm not like anywhere near this room where everybody was meeting. And I sit down and I'm, I'm just praying and talking to the Lord and I'm more or less trying to process. 
And I had this moment that I will never, ever forget where the Lord spoke to me and very clearly said to me, you know, you belong to me. You know that, right? You know that you belong to me, right? You know that you're mine and you've always been mine, right? He started asking me and stating this to me and was showing me, even though I'm here and I have all this past and all this baggage and all this, I feel this almost like this guilt that I somehow need to be a part of this or somehow stay, tr- you know, stay true to this, but I'm not really, I'm, I'm kind of, I've kind of left it all behind, but I still have all these emotions and all these sort of soul attachments. God is showing me in this moment, you've always been mine. You've never wow. belonged to anyone else. This is not your identity. Your identity is the one I gave you. And so I can't say it was like a born again experience, but in a way it kind of was because uh, it was like, I look back on that and it was one of those moments when God was setting me free and showing me that nobody had any claim to my, to my spiritual life except for the Lord himself. I love that. I love yeah. that. Um, man, I forget what your question was now. <laughs> uh, that was, that was such a great story. I forgot it myself. I mean, I, I, that's the transition I'm looking for. What was that? You know, to, to belong to Christ and not to an organization or yeah. a, uh, or, you know, whether you call it Christianity, or whether you're a cult, we belong to Christ and we're followers of Christ. And I think yeah. to, to be perfectly honest, I think there's a lot of Christians today uh, that need to hear that message that, that, we're followers of Jesus. We're not followers of a church or followers of a group of people. Uh, we're called into community. We're called into fellowship. But at all times, Jesus is Lord. So, um, Amen. So, you have anything to add to that, Jesse? Well, yeah. I think as you know, you just said a great statement, right? We're not followers of people, but we're followers of Jesus Christ. And you know, the journey didn't stop there. It didn't stop there, uh, you know, learning and finally and finally believing who Jesus is. There's a lot more to grow in. And I think Christians, we have to always be willing to constantly examine our beliefs and refine them uh, against Scripture, the Word of God. And that's why he calls us to always be a student of the Word. It calls us to always um, spend time with him and get to know him get to know him better. Um, the more time we spend with him, the more we know him. And then we start having our eyes opened. Um, I can't tell you how many beliefs that I've had have shifted or evolved over the years as God has, uh, God's worked in us and, and been faithful. And, uh, that's just a testimony to, to God's faithfulness. Right. And I think I'd encourage any Christian to not just, not just have blind allegiance to what their pastor says, to what their church teaches or to what they've always grown up hearing, be willing to go to the word for yourself and find out. It says in acts that the Bereans were more noble than the Thessalonians because they searched the scriptures daily to see whether or not those things were so right. Um, Amen. so it's a noble thing to constantly line up what we're hearing with the word of God. And, you know, I, I probably, uh, the thing that I probably 
honor most about you guys is that you are Berean. You, you are, you always go back to the word. And I, and I kind of think that that's probably your transition from the way into Christianity uh, is the common denominator is your love for the word, not only your heart for Jesus, your heart for the Lord, uh, but also this passion uh, to know him in the word and not be influenced by anything external. I mean, that is mm. what a what a great what a great testimony that is uh, that you guys would have that love. And and, uh, you know, I probably spent a little bit more time with Blake than you, Jesse, but I've watched Blake on that journey and it's jaw-dropping where he is always back in the word. What is truth? Even examining his own beliefs, not just others, um, but yeah. his own beliefs. And is this, is this really true? I need to search the word. Um, and so that's what I'm taking away from this is, is it's really, you know, and, and maybe you guys can expand on this. Um, and, and if you have more testimony to share about this, I'd, I'd love to hear it. But but the, the unity of the word with the person of Jesus um, mm. is it's it's absolutely inseparable. I don't yeah. think you can know one without the other. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, and that commitment to the word of God actually helps us mature and come into a fuller knowledge of Jesus. Yeah. The same spirit who passed over Mary and incarnated the living word in her womb is the same spirit who inspired men to write down the written word uh, that God's preserved for us. So the connection, when you really get into it and think about it, I mean, it's stunning. It's stunning. And what I always tell people, students, friends, uh, you know, is don't ever do Bible study or Bible reading apart from communion with the Lord. Don't ever think of it as an intellectual exercise. Jesse, you said something earlier and we touched on it, but it's like, you know, if, if being saved were dependent on having all of our doctrine, right, then God's a respecter of persons and intellectualism is what saves us. And that's last I checked, that's never been what saves anyone. It's yeah. God's actually faith. And, and, you know, that's that's not to say that people who are continually walking in air and who are, you know, I mean, I, I'm not making any specific declarations about specific people who have specific beliefs. But all I'm saying is God, I'm reiterating the point, God is merciful. And it bothers me, too, when I hear someone, you know, a pastor, a teacher, just blanket statement people and say, well, they believe this, therefore they're not saved. You know, it's like, well, how do you know? I mean, if they believe Jesus is Lord. I mean, who, who are you to say what's that? But that being said, the Holy Spirit leads us into truth. And like I always tell people, don't do by don't do and don't open your Bible apart from communion with God. When you realize that every time you open your Bible, you are there is an opportunity for you to encounter the author. That's the point. It's not an intellectual exercise, even though it intellectually stim stimulates me every day. But I think the question that I, I think the question that I ask myself more than anything is, are you following after the Lord? Are you mm -hmm. seeking him? Mm -hmm. Because if you are, the rest is going to get sorted out. Our, our inconsistencies and in our, in our beliefs, our false ideas, God will 
God'll sift through what's important and what's not to bring you around to a knowledge of him. Now, if you are living a, if you are adamantly living a lifestyle and per- purposefully pursuing things that are opposite of the Lord, despite his commandment, then that's a different story, right? That's a completely different story. But if you're pursuing the Lord to love him, but you just don't have the perfect doctrine, I believe God's a lot bigger than that. Yeah. 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 So there's, uh, um, there's, I want to get, I want to get, I I guess I want to get real. I want you guys to get real. It's like, this is, that's a transition for you guys. Yeah. And anybody who comes to the Lord, there's a transition. Yeah. Tell me about some of the obstacles. Did you, you know, did you ever get rejected because of your love for God? And that was the question that you're proclaiming Jesus Lord. What, 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 you know, yeah. What hit the fan when you guys, when when you guys really started doing that? Yeah. Yeah. That, that was the question that I kind of sidetracked us off of a few minutes ago. Um, Okay, so the first thing that happened for, for, for me personally, and Jesse was very much a part of this, was baptism. So a lot of, I'll just tell anyone who's listening who doesn't know, a lot of things about the way, uh, the way doctrine were like just nothing secondary. Basically everything that's sort of central and orthodox, you know, the deity of Christ, just take that and tweak it a little bit. Uh, water baptism, let's tweak that a little bit. Uh, you know, heaven being the, you know, the place now post the cross where believers are in the presence of Jesus to be absent from the Lord is to be present with the body. Tweak it a little bit. Uh, Water baptism was not a thing in the way. In fact, the way poo pooed water baptism and said, no, the baptism of the Holy spirit is the only baptism that exists now. Well, when Jesse and I were living together as like 19 year olds, we're studying this and I'm studying this and I'm realizing what I was taught that there was this transition that took place in the book of acts and in the early church where they, they were water baptizing at first, but then they more or less phased it out. That's totally unbiblical. And this, this idea that I was given that to be born to, to, to make a confession of faith to basically believe and to receive the Holy spirit and to be baptized are all essentially one thing. It, it all happens in one moment. The minute you believe, I realized that's not true either. Believing and being baptized are not the same thing. And neither is being baptized in the Holy Spirit or receiving the Holy Spirit. So that was the first big thing. And I mean, I got a lot of pushback from my family, but it wasn't something that that broke our relationship. Um, our relationship did start to get test year going through years later as more of my searching of the scriptures and coming to a more tradition. I mean, a more biblical understanding of things uh, was taking place. Yeah. That, that caused some tension. And to be perfectly honest, I love my family to death, but it still does cause tension sometimes. Sure. And I can recall times, especially when Blake, you and I were young and, just roommates and living together when we hadn't maybe fully arrived yet at uh, 
you know, where we are now in terms of how we see Jesus Christ. But we also knew that there was a lot more than we had grown up with and what we had seen. And there was this interesting and weird expectation from some of the folks that were in that were part of this ministry that our parents were a part of that lived in the San Diego area where we lived that sort of had expected that we would just naturally join their thing and right. be a part of that. And there was a lot of, there was a lot of constant tension around the fact that, you know what, you guys are the kids of people in the way, you know, the truth you should be fellowshipping with us. That was the mindset that a lot of people had. And frankly, we wanted nothing to do with that anymore. Not that we didn't love the people we cared for and certainly had relationships with with many of them, but God was working in us to, to grow. And that wasn't a place where we felt like we could grow. Yeah, And so we... We chose to, we chose to fellowship outside of that and outside yeah. of that community, which caused a lot of, which caused a lot of tension, even to the point where we were brought in and sat down to have a serious conversation with some of the the elders of that of that community <laughs> at, right. at one point. So yeah, there were some interesting, right. there were some interesting moments for sure. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And, That's right. and now I I've got to I've got to tell you I. Somehow I'm getting the sense that that Jesse, what you're talking about is is a, a prophetic message for Christians that that you you really you can't really can't go with the flow of of indoctrin of indoctrination. You really have to you you really have to have Jesus on the throne truly in your heart and want to follow Him regardless of what the cost might be uh, to to previous relationships. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and that's a great that that's a great moment for us or for me to say something that I think is probably important bringing this back to what the title of the episode is, which is, you know, our heart in sharing this story is not to poo poo anyone. It's not to be right about anything. I don't know how many times I've said it. I, I hope I I hope I keep saying it on this show for for a long time. Uh and and I hope that people hold me to it also. I don't care about being right. You know, Rich, you were talking about things that we're continually going to the word about. There's things in my life right now that I'm questioning. Have I been right about certain topics, even topics I've taught on from the Bible? And, you know, it's okay. It's okay to admit or to realize that, man, maybe I was off in this area uh, I, I, I got it wrong. I had, I didn't fully understand things, but we're constantly in process, hopefully as Christians. And it's not like we're all just walking around changing our minds all the time. But when you come out of, you know, the upbringing that we came out of, there was a lot to change my mind about. And, you know, when people from our background or my family nowadays, you know, when, when we talk about the Bible or the scriptures and they challenge me and they say, well, you know, are you willing to change what you believe if you find that you're wrong? I always can say, absolutely. I've proven that time and time and time again. I have changed many beliefs that I've had that I've found to be unbiblical. And, you know, it goes back to something you said earlier, Rich. And I have to say this too. Uh, 
you know, uh, you know, the greatest gift that I received from my church, from my parents, from my family, from my spiritual heritage was trust to the word. I mean, if there's one thing we heard growing up, it's the Bible is the word of God and you can trust it. You can believe it, every word of it. And if my parents even used to say this to me, if something we tell you doesn't line up with the word, you should believe the word. They used to tell me that all the time. Now, it just so happens that oftentimes when it comes to that background, people say they that they're willing to do that and they're not. But that's a different story. Uh, you know, the point is that I was given that gift and I, t- you know, I think Jesse and I both have done our best and are still doing our best to take it and run with it. But, you know, discerning truth and walking in truth is a lifelong journey. And I can't wait till I see him face to face. But until that time, I hope I keep always growing upward Amen. and Amen. not just getting stagnant. So, Yeah. You know, what you said, it, it made me think about how, you know, you said you're constantly reevaluating what you've learned to line it up and, and see if that's true. And I want to make sure that as we're having this dialogue, right, that we're not misheard in a way, because I think there's a wrong way to go about doing that same exact thing. And that's what a lot of people would call deconstruction, right? And I think that comes from a different place. It comes from a place of offense or it comes from a place of wanting to gratify your own sinful desires and find an excuse as to why you grew up believing what you did was wrong. But, you know, there's a difference, right? Blake, what what would you say like that difference is between constantly evaluating what you've been taught and the idea of deconstruction? Just based in humanism, I would think, right? Yeah. Like like determining what you think is best and the other is relying on the word uh, to, uh, to, to, um, to guide your beliefs. Yeah. Yeah. yeah what was that last part rich oh just 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 the concept of of you know who's on the throne is is yeah are we the ones dictating and dominating controlling what we really believe or is the word uh yeah what you believe and and what i'm hearing from both of you and i really want to honor both of you again is is the humility i'm hearing from you that that you want to know him and you want to know truth, and you're willing uh, to be corrected or or adjusted, uh, and that's a lifelong process, and and it takes humility as a as part of your character. So um, I yeah. see that. Yeah, I think it comes down to to two things, uh, Jesse and Rich. I mean, to go to go back to your question, Jesse, which is first of all, I mean, first of all, it it breaks my heart when I hear about or see young people that I grew up with, that I went to teen camp with that loved God, loved the Lord that have completely walked away from faith altogether. Uh, All I can say about my own journey. And I think you would say the same, Jesse is all the glory goes to God. There have been times in my life where I have literally, I mean, not when it comes to walking away from faith, but there's been times in my life where I have felt for moments God take hold of me and, and literally hold on to me. I mean, when it came to like major life choices and things like that, I mean, I have moments with the Lord where he has just like kept me. And I think when it comes to this, I, 
I can't say there was a moment where I was considering walking away altogether because that wasn't an option, but it's, it's always been like, God has, has been real to me my whole life. As long as I can remember. I mean, like I said, I, I remember as a little child, some of my first thoughts just being how much I was loved by God and how much I loved him. I mean, that's a gift. I don't care if there were things messed up with my upbringing, like that's a gift. And it's a gift from God. It's a gift from my parents. It, you know, I, I can't separate the two in that regard. Of course, the glory goes to God. But, um, you know, people that deconstruct, I mean, sadly, like not to be too practical with it, but I think a lot of times what you said is true. They they want an excuse to live how they want to live. And oftentimes, having gone to a pretty liberal divinity university, I see how that process goes where it starts with cutting away at the integrity of the Bible. And then Mm -hmm. it goes from there. It goes from that to, well, yes, Jesus is Lord, but he's, you know, it's sort of like this universalist message, but it's not just that he loves everyone. It's that he has saved everyone. And it doesn't really matter if you make him Lord or not. It goes from that to Jesus is a great teacher. And it goes from that to, I hate Christianity. I mean, not to oversimplify it or like, put it, you know, put like a type around it. Um, but there's that. Uh, but so then I'm also, hearing, I'm sorry, Blake. No, go ahead. Go ahead. So what I'm hearing you say is that it sounds like something like deconstruction starts with cutting away at the integrity of the word. Whereas what we're talking about here is upholding the integrity of the word of God and letting that be the end all be all for the reason that, we end up changing our beliefs on things. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, amen. And there's, there are certain things that Christians, you know, I mean, what makes someone a Christian? I mean, uh, if we go, if we want to go bare bones, basic, can we talk about the apostles creed? My students in one of my classes this week have to take a quiz on the apostles creed. So I don't want to try and recite it from memory because if I screw it up, I'm in trouble. But I mean, it's, it's pretty basic, right? Uh, we believe in God, the father. Okay. There's basic things about it, but we know church history and, and, and everything teaches Jesus teaches us that the revelation of the Lord can be found in scripture. We don't want to make it an intellectual exercise where we're just a bunch of people walking around, you know, doing, doing logic with Bible verses and throwing them around at people. Um, But also if you start to veer too far off of scripture and, and you, I mean, this is my, this is my problem with, with charismania. I'm a charismatic. I will always be a charismatic. The, The reason I'm not a cessationist is because it's not a biblical doctrine. Uh, you can't say you believe the Bible and say that the Holy Spirit has no longer working and operating in the church, in my opinion, because that's unbiblical. But you can't veer so far off scripture that you just go, well, you know, I know the Bible says this, but my experience says this. Or, you know, uh, I mean, there's a million ways people do it. But yeah, I think holding to the authority of scripture and letting the authority of the Lord be present in our lives through his word is like, it's, it's essential. It's totally essential in my opinion. And hopefully people don't deconstruct if they do that. (laughs) Let me ask ask you 
Sorry for the rant. Uh, you know, probably we're, we're coming up to an hour or so. Um, you know, I, I want to kind of put a bow on this. This has been really uh, enlightening for me, and I hope it's been to the others. But what, what as as people who have come out of deception, like like almost all people have, um, and and being such devout pursuers of truth, what what would your message be uh, to the audience uh, on their journey? Uh, what would you what would you do to encourage them? Um, in, in their love for God. You want to go first, Jess, or you want me to? I'll yeah. Go first. Or go ahead. <laughs> I would, I would just say that it starts with spending the time with the Lord. If you spend the time with the Lord, um, prayer, reading the word, um, you're going to get to know him and he's going to be faithful in your life. He's always faithful, right? We're the ones that are unfaithful, but when we walk, when we don't commune with him, we get farther and farther away from him. That's our own doing. Um, and then we're unable to hear the call of him telling us to come back. We're unable to hear the call of him telling us to change course. We're not able to hear, um, you know, when he has, when he has correction for us. Um, so spend time with the Lord and be in the word. And honestly, I think if we do that and we pursue him with a, with an open heart, um, the rest will follow. You might not even be hungry for the Lord at this moment, but you know what? I think I can almost guarantee the more you start spending time with him, that hunger will grow. So yeah, that's my yeah. That's my yeah. thought. Good, good, Jesse. I like it. Mine would be um let your identity be in God, not your beliefs about God. I mean, mm -hmm. if you belong to him, you're his. And you know, I mean, to to steal from one of my spiritual mentors who uh, I'll meet in heaven uh, one day, Oswald Chambers, to be certain of God means we are uncertain in all our ways. Being certain about God is not the same as being certain about our beliefs about him. Be certain of God. Be certain of his son. Be certain of the fact that his word is truth and he's given it to you as a plumb line and as a revelation of himself. But if your identity is in your denomination, your church, the person who discipled you, or your particular brand of doctrine or theology, you are asking, you are literally opening the door and asking for the enemy to come into your life and deceive you. Because now you've made it about your understanding, your pursuit, your grid, your mind, and not about him, the one who's over all of that, who's faithful in the midst of Millions of people walking around who profess to be Christians who have millions of different ideas going around in each of their heads. And so I would say there's a few basic things. Be certain of the Lord Jesus. Be certain of the word. But other than that, I mean, be willing to be humble and go back to the word again and again. And as you do that and you go through the process, will there be things that you get really, really rooted in and really, I mean, he gives you conviction and certainty in. 
Yes, there's things that he has given me certainty in, but it's been through relationship, through seeking him and through study and 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 reading. And there are things that I don't just know they're true because I was taught them. I know they're true because they've been forged in the midst of this relationship that I have with the Lord and this daily communion that we share with one another. And it doesn't mean that I'm not willing to always be certain of God, but still, you know, reevaluate. I just, I think we all need to be willing to reevaluate and always go back to the word. So, you know, I've, I've got to just, I've got to tell you what, what our conversation is quickening to me is that, is that everything you've said about, about knowing him, pursuing him, trusting him. For me, it sounds like it's coming down to, I have to know that I know that I know that the God of heaven and earth absolutely, totally, and completely loves me. <laughs> if, if I if I know that, then I can hunger for the word. I can open myself up to the word. I can be pliable, um, you know. But but you know, until I come to that foundation that I'm I'm truly and deeply loved, it, which is completely demonstrated by the cross, um, then uh, yeah. then I, I'm going to be suspicious. I'm going to be suspicious of God and people and, and everything else. And, yeah. and it's a lot better to put your faith in God and know that you're loved by him than, than, than think you're loved by the world um, yeah. and, and end up on the, the, the trash heap of, uh, of your faith. So uh, any last things before we, we close it out? I, I, I can't tell you, this is um, I'm going to, I'm probably going to go back to my room and repent for uh, you know, some of the things that I, <laughs> Uh, that I felt you guys are always that the truth, the truth will set you free. The truth will, will open up your heart to say, Lord, Lord, I want more of you. I think that's what the truth ultimately does. I, I really want more uh, after, uh, after the conversation today. And, and Jesse, I can't tell you, I, I just really sense the prophetic, the prophetic mantle on you to, mm. um, uh, to be able to speak the heart of God uh, directly to the hearts of people. Um, I so receive thank it. <laughs> Thanks, Rich. And if you R- say, that, to have you here. yeah, if you're going to repent for something, Rich, repent for not being on the show for six months. And since you dropped prophetic mantle on Jesse, I'm going to drop Jeremiah 28. Make sure if you're a prophet, you've sat in his presence. I'm never going to let you become one of those false prophets who hasn't Amen. sat in his presence. <laughs> Amen. Just kidding. Bad joke. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Blake, you want to close us out? Yeah, uh, I absolutely do. Uh, Jess, you got just before we do anything you want you want to add? No, we're good. Okay. All right. Rich, thank you so much for uh, jumping in on this one and being a part of it and sort of guiding the conversation. It was a privilege, and and uh, yeah. and I benefited from it a lot. Awesome. And Jess, my co-host, thanks. As always, man, and we'll be back next Thursday. So everyone, you've been listening to the That You May Know Him podcast. We are live on Thursday nights at 7 o'clock Eastern, 4 o'clock Pacific. If you want to know more about our ministry, you can visit thatyoumayknowhim.com. We've got a lot going on besides the podcast. We do weekly videos. We have a blog that's gaining readership and is uh, it's pretty fun. There's a lot of good stuff on that blog. But everything we do at That You May Know Him is about illuminating biblical truth, and helping all of us, ourselves included, to seek the Lord more fully, love him more deeply, and follow him more closely. 
So for Jesse and Rich, I'm Blake. We're signing off for tonight. Stay blessed, live loved, and we will talk to you next time on That You May Know Him. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. Also, please consider giving us a five-star review and telling your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, don't forget to subscribe on YouTube and check out our website for tons of free, biblically-based content like Bible studies, devotionals, articles, and Bible teachings. The That You May Know Him podcast is produced by That You May Know Him Ministries, Durham, North Carolina. You can visit our website at thatyoumayknowhim.com.